Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Paige Arnoffin, who is the founder and CEO of Mavens and Moguls, a global branding and digital marketing firm whose clients range from early stage startup to Fortune 500 companies, including Colgate, Virgin, Microsoft, and the New York Times Company. She was formerly VP of Marketing at Zipcar and VP Marketing at Inc.com. Prior to that, she held the title of SVP Marketing at Launch Media, an internet startup that was later sold to Yahoo. Paige has also worked as a special assistant to the Chief Marketing Officer of Global Marketing at the Coca-Cola Company and held the position of director of the 1996 Olympic Commemorative Coin Program at the Department of Treasury. We have so much to talk about and explore today, Paige, so let's jump right into this and welcome. Thanks so much, Summer. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into your professional background, let me ask you, can you describe your journey in one word thus far? So my word would be surprise. (laughs) I mean, I think like a lot of professionals, what you thought you were going to be doing when you were a student or a, a kid isn't remotely resembling my actual career. When I was in college and graduate school, I was pretty convinced I'd be the next Meg Whitman. I thought I would be a Fortune 500 CEO. I never thought I'd get married. I just wanted to run a big, big company, a global company, and travel and inspire and motivate my team all over the world. And I started off on that path. Like you said, I started my career at companies like Procter & Gamble and Coca-Cola, really big consumer products, marketing companies. And when the internet started taking off in the mid to late 90s, I got bitten by the dot-com bug, and I've just never looked back. I left my big, cushy corporate job at Coke and joined an internet startup that no one had ever heard of. I think people thought I was having a bit of a midlife crisis. And, you know, it was just so exciting to me what was happening online. And I was the head of marketing at three consecutive startups. All three of them had good exits. And then after 9-11, I hung out a shingle and started my own firm. So I think I'm as surprised as anybody that here I've worked for myself a lot longer than I ever lasted working for anyone else. So my word is surprise because... Be careful what you think you want to do with your life. I think my definition of success has completely changed. And I'm really, really happy being kind of a big fish in a much smaller pond. I don't think I needed that big corporate brand behind me to feel like I had achieved something. I really like doing it on on a more scrappy basis. I love all of that. That is so great. I appreciate You talking about your different iterations, what you've gone through, how you define success. Like you, 
I grew up during that whole dot-com phase, like where it really blew up in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley where or Berkeley, where they were taking people out of Berkeley to put them into that Silicon Valley to start developing and developing and developing. And I thought, man, what's going on here? This is amazing. But I wasn't really in that industry, but I saw it happening all around me, which was just You and I had front row seats. You were at Berkeley. I was at Stanford. And we were just watching this crazy explosion of momentum. And it was like, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to jump in. Absolutely. I totally agree. And it's funny because we grew up around the same time. And what I love about your story is your description of how you felt about yourself, your different iterations, and how you viewed your journey initially. Because I somewhat viewed my journey the same way. I watched movies, and I might be dating myself here, like Baby Boom or Working Girl. And I thought to myself, I want to be that tiger lady up in that corner office with the windows and... (laughs) Absolutely. No. And, you know, I saw the Wall Street movie uh, my senior year in college and Michael Douglas won the Oscar and the movie, you know, went won tons of awards. And I was hooked. I said, I'm going to Wall Street. That is where the action is. And my first job out of college was in New York City on Wall Street. And oh, my God, I made a two year commitment. And I knew within a few weeks this was not going to be my career path. But it was an adventure. I learned a ton and it was exciting. But when I went back to business school, I completely rebranded myself to be a marketing person. And like I said, my my career had three very distinct chapters. I had the corporate chapter, the kind of startup chapter, and now the entrepreneurial chapter. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Each chapter has been so interesting. I've learned a ton. I've met amazing people. But... I think you have to trust your intuition and your gut. And when you're not feeling like you're in your zone, you got to find where your, your passion is pulling you. Agreed. And I think I've learned over the years of doing this podcast, of working with people, something that I've listened to quite a bit that I've heard from many men and women is something about imposter syndrome. You know, I don't know where to begin. I don't know if I'm worthy. Why should I be here? Do I have enough experience? All of that. And yet you jumped in. Did you ever experience that imposter syndrome? And what contributed to your focus, how you developed your professional interests and your passion for digital marketing and entrepreneurship? You've touched on some of it, but can we kind of touch on some of those questions that I just asked. Sure. So I don't know that I ever had imposter syndrome per se, but do I get nervous all the time? Do I have butterflies? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a very extroverted, gregarious, outgoing person. And, you know, I love giving speeches and talking on podcasts, but I get nervous every single time. I think the big fallacy People assume that these big time speakers and these big name CEOs, they were like born confident and that they just wake up every day feeling like they rule the world. And I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I've worked with some very impressive big name people in my career 
And the truth is they're getting outside of their comfort zone all the time, but they have their own routine in terms of how they prepare the way that they build their confidence so that when they get on stage, when they are in front of the boss at the big meeting, when they're giving that speech, whatever, that they're ready for showtime. And I think I've just, it's like a muscle that you train. And I feel like, you know, I was an athlete as a kid and you have to train for it. So you practice. If you need to get some coaching, if you need to go to professional development, you do what you need to do to prepare so that when the lights are on and the time has come, you are ready for showtime. And, you know, I I think it's funny because when I started my company, I started it right after 9-11 and the world was in complete disarray. The stock market had dropped hundreds of points. And you got to remember, you and I are old enough, but a lot of people think the stock market drops hundreds of points all the time. It didn't really do that before, maybe during like the Great Depression, but like it was a huge deal in the 80s when the stock market was going crazy and then 9-11 hits and then it was like, oh my God, what the heck's going on? People were just scared to death. And within three years, we had booked a million in revenue a year and people were like, oh my God, you're an overnight sensation. And I didn't feel like an overnight sensation. I feel like I've been working for decades. I've been building my brand, my reputation. I've been meeting people and trying to put on my very best every day, day in and day out. And so all those roads kind of converged when I started my company. And a lot of my early clients and the people that were referring people to my business were people that had known me for years, in some case, decades. And so you definitely you're planting seeds throughout your life and you're cultivating that garden and you're watering those plants and you're fertilizing those plants and they're not going to all bloom at the same time. So I just, I guess that's a long winded answer, but I I never felt like an imposter because I knew I had paid my dues. I knew I had done my homework. I started at the bottom of every job I had. My first paid job in my life was delivering mail at a law firm. I started at the bottom and worked my way up. So I knew that I knew the the innards. I knew the basics. And um, when I got into a leadership role and I was directing people on my team, I remembered what I liked about my best bosses and what I didn't like about my worst bosses. And I just tried to keep building off that base to be better and better every day. So I knew I had it in me, but it was just building that confidence, you know, the self-talk that makes you nervous and saying, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And if I stumble, I'm just going to pick myself up and keep going. I mean, I remember I gave a really big speech in San Francisco right after I started my company. And I was so nervous because... The headline speakers at the conference were really big names. It was a women's conference. And it was like Christiane Amanpour. I mean, like, wow. really, like globally wow. famous people. And I was like one of the baby speakers. And I got up and I was wearing a new suit. And I was trying to, you know, I had a blowout. I felt my best. Yeah. And I got up and I, and I was a little bit nervous. And I said to the crowd, like, you know, I may, I may stumble, just bear with me. I'm going to keep going through it. 
And if you want to interrupt and ask questions, don't hold them to the end and whatever. And I said, you know, I'm really not good behind a podium. If you don't mind, I'm just going to come and walk around like Oprah in the audience and talk to y'all. And they loved it. And I was one of the highest rated speakers at the conference. And I did stumble, but I just kept going. And I think people expect you're human. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes, but just own it and have fun with it. And it puts them more at ease and they cut you a lot of slack. And I just think that was a really important lesson. Like, don't talk yourself off the ledge like, oh, my God, I'm going to fail or I'm so nervous. You know, nobody knows me and they know all these other famous people. Don't do that to yourself. Like, say, I got invited to this conference for a reason. I have a great story to tell. I have a lot of things I can share with these women that are really going to help them with their careers. I'm going to tell them when I screwed up and how I got better. And they're going to love it. And it was just... it was a real empowering moment for me. And I think it's important to like embrace those opportunities and don't talk yourself out of them. Yeah. Those are some great stories. There's so much depth to them and honesty. I love how you did that in that audience and you just were yourself. You were honest with them. You got out from blocking yourself and you went for it and you said I may stumble but I'm gonna move forward I'm gonna do this with your help basically and you walked through that crowd and you and were, they were pulling and, for me every yeah. time they were pulling they were like come on you got it let's go girl exactly I love it so Paige that I love that story because I think a lot of times we do get in the way of ourselves And we stop ourselves from doing A, B, or C, maybe a large talk, or maybe that next job, or maybe jumping into entrepreneurship because we're fearful and we're going to stumble and we're going to have those missteps. And what I say to that is good because those stumbles, those missteps are our gained wisdom. Yeah, no, that's when you learn and grow. And in my career, when somebody asks me to take on a new role or, you know, you get a a promotion or a new job, there's always a little bit of like, am I ready for this? Should I wait? Should I turn it down? Should I try and kind of soft pedal? And the answer is always no. You wouldn't be offered the opportunity if they didn't think you were qualified And you're going to learn in any job. Like there are growing pains and that is when you figure out what you're really made of. That's where you test your metal. And that's, that's really the, the periods in my career where I was able to get to that higher level. When I got out of my comfort zone, tried something completely different, new, leaving a job that you're comfortable in, but maybe bored at to try something completely exciting and, you know, leaving the corporate world to go jump into the internet was a little scary in 1997. You know, like I had only only worked for companies with names that my parents knew and their friends knew. And my mom loving, loved bragging to her friends about my big jobs at these big companies. And when I, I remember when I told her, I was going to this internet startup in Los Angeles. She's like, 
Are you okay? Do you need a vacation? Maybe you're just burned out. Maybe you just need a break. I, you know, you're having a, a, maybe not a midlife crisis, but a quarter life crisis. I'm like, no, mom, I've got to try this. I really, I need to know what is happening on the, the edge because it's too exciting. It's like, I don't want to miss out. Like I said, I didn't want to be on the sidelines. I wanted to be on the floor in the game. And sure, you know, we were all figuring it out. That was Internet 1.0. And everybody was screwing up. And we were testing and learning constantly. And the thing about the Internet that was so prevalent, which was not true in the corporate world, you can measure everything on the Internet. So every day you knew, were people clicking on the banner ad? Were they going to the website? Were they following the breadcrumbs? And if they weren't, you can't hide behind it. it. The data was there every day. So if we made a bad decision on banner ads, the good news is tomorrow we could change those ads and see if we got more traffic and more traction. So it made me better. It made me stronger. It made me more database, not emotional. It wasn't like, did I fall in love with that angle? It was like, did it work? Did it drive traffic? Did people click? Did they convert? And so it made me more objective and it made me smarter. Yeah, absolutely. I love that evolution and that courage to take that leap. But if you go back into your story and you think about that first job of delivering mail, and that next job, and that next job, and that next job, that's all gained experience, transferable skills that, as you said, are building blocks to the next phase. It may not be in Wall Street. It may not be with that Fortune 500 company. It may be in, in tech with a startup developing your own business. And guess what? Now you've got all those skills to apply to these wonderful ideas, these new businesses. And so you're never without skills. You always have them. You've and always you're always building new stuff. Like your your repertoire, you know, your toolkit's getting bigger with every one of these opportunities. You're adding new tools to the toolkit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to jump to... You've developed this beautiful business, Mavens and Moguls. Let's talk about that business and personal branding in a digital world. So, like I said, from business school on, I've been in marketing. And I had big budget marketing with the corporate jobs. With the startups, it was very guerrilla marketing, much more scrappy and now with my clients, my clients are not big. I do work with some Fortune 500, but the majority of my clients are kind of mid-market, emerging market firms who don't have as much money as they'd like to do marketing. And, um, you know, I had a professor in business school that used to say, marketing is everything and everything is marketing. And I used to kind of giggle in the back of the room. And now that I've been doing this for a few decades, I think he is absolutely right. Because you could have the best product or service in the world, but if nobody knows about it, how good of a business are you? I think with the advent of the internet and what we've learned in spades during COVID the last three years is you do not exist today if you do not exist online. 
And you and I live this every day with our businesses before people agree to meet with you or set up a call or be on your podcast. What's the first thing they do? They go to Google. They Google you. They go to LinkedIn. Does this person exist? Who do they know? What are they doing with their lives? The worst possible thing is that somebody goes on these platforms and they can't find you. Because like I said, if you don't exist online, you're invisible. Being invisible is a terrible strategy. (laughs) So you, you have to brand yourself. And you and I both know this from people we encounter all the time. A lot of people say, I'm not Serena Williams. I'm not Martha Stewart. I'm not LeBron James. You know, I'm not Oprah. I'm not really a brand. And I couldn't disagree more. Everybody is a brand today. And you might not think of yourself as a brand, but if you don't define your brand, the market's going to define it for you. So you have to own what it is that's unique, special, and different about you, what you're known for, what you want to stand for. And you need to reinforce that in everything that you do on your social media platforms, on your website, and just how you present yourself, how you dress, what you drive. If you have on hold music on your phone for your company, the signature on your email, everything communicates and it all needs to reinforce a consistent brand that you live every day. I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is they want to be very professional and buttoned up on LinkedIn. They're trying to be kind of snarky on Twitter. On Facebook, they want to seem really cool and fun. And they've got spring break pictures or, you know, stuff that's maybe a little wild and out there. And then on Pinterest and Instagram, they're making all these crazy photos that, you know, you can't really. The the problem is people are seeing everything. And you can't be one type of brand on one platform and another type of brand on another platform because a brand is about a conversation. It's about building trust and it's about showing up in a consistent way every day. If you go to Starbucks in Kansas City or New York City or Florida or Boston or San Francisco, you know what that experience is going to be like. If you order your drink, it's going to taste the same in every market. McDonald's is the same way. It's a brand that's built a relationship and you have a trusted connection with them. You know that the Big Mac and the Frappuccino, you know what you're getting. If people don't know which version of you is going to show up at the meeting or show up online or show up on Zoom, it's a crapshoot and a wild card. And that's unsettling because they may want to meet with the professional you and the snarky you shows up and embarrasses them in a meeting with their client or with their boss. And that's just not cool. So I think today, if you know, if you think of nothing else from this conversation of ours, please begin to realize that you are a brand. You need to be very strategic and thoughtful about the brand that you are And if you don't like the brand that is presenting, then you need to actively work to kind of steer that ship. Like, what are the three words that come to mind? If I were to ask people that work with you, that know you, say, tell me about Summer. Tell me about Core Women. What do they play back? 
is that what you want them to play back? Is that how you want to be perceived? Because if it's not, you need to be more thoughtful and mindful about the brand you're building. Because again, if if not, you are diluting the brand that y- you have, and that's just not going to be good for you or your business. Yeah, such incredible guidance. I love all of those tips. They are so true. And everything that you said just now resonates with me because when I'm looking at brands, when I'm watching people, when I'm wondering who they are, I go straight to LinkedIn. I go to their website. I do all these things. And if there's that inconsistency, then I'm like, who is this person? Who is this brand? Yet, I will tell you on those different platforms, Twitter, you're getting a tweet, a 15 second, whatever on Facebook, they're showing their face, right? On LinkedIn, you're trying to connect on Instagram. It's an instant something, right? And so there's all these different things you've got to think about, but what's the consistency? What's the running theme between all of those things? And to me, a lot of times is that's about, as you said, building that foundation, building that brand, understanding what that brand is, understanding your values, understanding the psychology, understanding the messaging, understanding your own personality and what that looks like and how you're developing all of that within your brand. And with names like yours or mine, if they Google us, they're probably going to get us. If your name is, you know, Jane Smith, not so much. Right. Right. You have to be in on what comes up when you're Googled. If you don't, if you've never Googled yourself, it's not like narcissistic or an ego thing. You need to do it because you need to know what impression are people going to have if they Google you before the meeting or before the phone call or before the Zoom. And if digital dirt comes out on you, that is not going to reflect well on your brand. And let's just say you happen to share the name of a serial killer or a porn star or some crazy, you need to be in on the joke so that when you meet with them, you can be like, as you can see, I did not rob the bank and I'm not, you know, serving life, a life sentence at the penitentiary. That was someone else that shares my name and you kind of wink, wink. And now you're (laughs) in on it and you've got a sense of humor and they know that, you know, like, thank you for agreeing to talk to me. I'm, I appreciate that you knew that I was not the person that came up ahead of me on on the Google search. Right. Like that that shows maturity, insight, professionalism. And if you do have digital dirt out there that is related to you, you need to get a lot of fresh content to go above that. So it pushes it way down because people aren't going to go to page five or six of Google, but they're definitely going to eyeball page one. So. Again, think about the brand that you are, that you are projecting, and make sure that it all syncs up. Love it. Absolutely love your evolution, your professional and personal evolution, and what you've created for yourself and how you're helping other people out there. So as we come to the close of this interview today, Paige, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Well, I think everything we've discussed is important. So think of yourself as a brand. Really figure out what's important to you. What are your core values? And find a career path 
find a platform where you can be you. Don't try and compete with other people. Define what does success mean to you, not to your parents, not to your neighbors, not to your friends. Find what's unique, special, and different about you and find a way that you can thrive and create that ecosystem where you are in your lane. You're not in someone else's lane. I think where people tend to kind of go off the rails is they're trying to be like an imitation of someone else. You're never going to be as good as someone else who's authentically themselves. So figure out what's authentic to you and then go with it, like embrace it and thrive. Own those core tenets of what makes you great. And, you know, when I worked in the corporate world and you'd have your annual performance review, I used to hate it when my boss would say, like, here are your strengths, but here are some opportunity areas that we need to improve for next year. And my thought was always, if these are areas where I'm not strong, chances are I'm not ever really going to be that strong in them. Let me do what's what I'm great at and let somebody else do that other stuff. Somebody's got to be better at that than me. I don't think it's worth investing my blood, sweat, and tears to try and become good at something that I don't enjoy. I'm not, it's not intuitive to me. And I feel like I built a company where I can do what I do best. And I've built a team around me where they do what they do best, which are not my strengths. And that's why I think we have done so well, because everybody is playing in their sweet spot. Everybody shows up every day in the zone they want to play in. And I think if you can find an organization or create a platform where you can be you and bring your very best self every day to work, you are going to thrive. That is where the magic occurs. Don't try and be someone else. Don't try and kind of morph or try to fit into someone else's definition of what success looks like. Figure out what it means for you, embrace it and run with it. Oh my gosh. All such great guidance. Thank you, Paige, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thanks, Summer. This has been a ball. I've really enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you. You can follow Paige Arnoffin on LinkedIn and at www mavensandmoguls.com. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.